Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and welcome to the very special 420 edition of Half the Battle. Today, we're going to have a fun episode just for the fans, just for you guys. I mean, happy 420. Hope you all are having a blast out there. And even for those that don't celebrate, I think this is going to be a lot of fun for all of us because I'm going to talk about my top 10 favorite fights to watch while stoned. And for you non-stoners, it's all good. These are fucking amazing fights regardless. But if you are partaking in... Uh, you know, you are blowing down on that Granddaddy Purple or that OG Kush. You already know the deal. Pop these on Fight Pass right away. And after I'm done talking about my top 10 favorite fights to watch while stoned, I'm going to give a call to my 21-year-old undefeated phenom, my bantamweight prospect, Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead. This is a kid who is only 21 years old, like I mentioned. But when we talk about certain prospects, you know, people like to talk about the wrestling or the power or the this or the that. When I talk about Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead, I talk about the fight IQ and the decision making this kid makes in fights. I mean, what I love about this kid so much is that when people are expecting uh, him to to get off on, you know, strikes from his Taekwondo background, that's when he changes levels, goes for those entries, hits some nice blast doubles, but then when they're expecting him to go for takedowns, that's when he fires off that hard left body kick from the southpaw stance. So I love this kid, Jamar Whitehead. I've known him since he was 13. Now he's 21 years old. Expect him in the UFC in the next two to three years. So we're going to give him a call here after I do my top 10 fights to watch while stone. And me and Jamar are going to talk about our top five favorite strains. And then we're going to then we're going to sit back and answer all your questions. We're going to do the fan Q&A together. So I'm very excited about today's episode. And later on this week, we're going to have, we're going to, we're going to drop the quarantine edition part five of half the battle. Don't you worry. I know y'all guys have been wondering where it's been at. Uh, it's coming back. I got a good guest in the works. Uh, my boy, Lewis Taylor, the PFL middleweight champ. This guy's very inspiring. I mean, he won the PFL middleweight belt. And as you know, if you win a belt there, you win a million bucks. He won the million dollar tourney at 39 years old after having an entire career. Uh, been talking to this guy the last few days. Man, he is super inspirational. So later this week, we're going to get him on the quarantine edition of Half the Battle and uh, let you all hear his story, man. So I can't wait for that. So in a couple minutes, we're going to hit up my boy Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead, talk about our top five favorite strains and the fan Q&A. But before we do that, you already know the deal. It's time to talk about the top 10 fights to watch while stoned. Now, before we do that, I want to give a special discount to anyone that's interested in my bets for May 9th, UFC 250. So today's 420. In honor of 420, I'm going to be offering 42% off any of my bet packages. Now, real quick, because some of you all are wondering... Uh, what if there's no fights May 9th? So here's the deal with that. You guys have an option with me. You can either get your money back or we can use it as credit for whatever the first event back is. Completely your call. I mean, I'll work with you guys one-on-one. -on -one. Just send me a message. I'm very easy to work with. So go to bestfightpace.com. Use that promo code 420. Just the three numbers for 42% off any of my packages. And now let's talk about the top 10 fights to watch while stoned. Well, all you guys already know the love I have for the Korean Zombie versus Leonard Garcia fight at WEC 48. I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna hit it home with that one because, look, when you talk about watching a fight where two guys just stand in the pocket and trade heavy shots the entire fight, and then the one time they do decide to scramble, it's an epic scramble. Uh, I mean, you got to watch this fight. For anyone that hasn't seen it, please go back to Fight Pass right now. Go see Korean Zombie versus Leonard Garcia, WEC 48. Such a great fight. And for those that don't have Fight Pass accounts, I'm, I'm going to give you a little life hack. Go sign up for that free seven-day trial. And, and if you're really cheap, you don't want it. I know it's hard times. I'm just talking a little shit. Cancel it right after the seven days. But in those seven days, I want you to watch these 10-plus fights I'm about to mention. So like I said, WEC 48, Zombie versus Garcia. I mean, these guys... 
Just uh, that that's how Korean Zombie made his name with that fight alone. And you need a willing dance partner. Leonard Garcia is that guy. I'm going I'm to mention two other Korean Zombie fights because anytime this guy fights, it's pandemonium. It's either fight of the year or finish of the year. And I mean, you guys already know about some of these epic knockouts he has. But what about the epic wars? You know, Dustin Poirier versus Korean Zombie. This fight, man, the scrambles, the flying knees, the everything they brought to the table. And it wasn't the Dustin Poirier we see today, but it was a Dustin Poirier that he was still top five in the featherweight division at the time. And he had shown glimpses that one day he could potentially touch gold, just not at that time. And Korean Zombie, interestingly enough, he's the guy who's still in pursuit of his first uh, UFC championship win. So this fight, uh, man, he went out there and actually finished Dustin Poirier in the fourth round after an intense war. So make sure y'all check out Korean Zombie versus Dustin Poirier. And I'm sure most of y'all have seen this one between Korean Zombie and Yair of Pantera Rodriguez. I mean, oh my God. Those two went toe-to-toe -to -toe once again in the center of the octagon, and it was such a rare, unique, epic finish. Uh, at the last second of the fight, unlike anything you've ever seen before, just, uh, and, and it's, you know, credit to Yair for doing moves that we've never seen, and he's been doing that his entire career, but also credit to Zombie, and, and listen, hear me out on this. You know, Zombie, according to a lot of people, had that fight won on the scorecard. So for the last 10 seconds, all he had to do was run away and, hey, the decision's yours. But that's not the kind of guy that Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie, is. Korean zombie is the kind of guy that it doesn't matter if there's five rounds left or 10 seconds left. This guy is going to go out there and try to take your head off from bell to bell. And that's exactly what happened in those last 10 seconds of the Yair fight. He, he said, fuck it, there's 10 seconds left. I'm going to try to kill you right now. And unfortunately, he ended up being the one that went out on his shield. But you just have to respect these two warriors. And, and another thing I love about that fight is that it was in the Denver elevation. And you guys know about that Denver altitude, the mile high. So Yair took that fight on two weeks short notice, guys. You know what I mean? And he got to finish it in the waning seconds of the fifth round. So... Oh my god, Yair versus Zombie is such a good one. And then a little old school classic. I mean, not too old school, but decently old school. Pro probably a little old school for y'all noobs, but... Noguera, Big Nog versus Randy Couture. Man, at UFC 92, these two fought in the main event. And this was the first fight, you know, in a main event where it was like, man... I really wish they had five-round main events. And then, you know, the UFC went on to implement five-round main events. Uh, it started off with Chris Liebman versus Mark Munoz. That was the first ever five-round non-title main event the UFC has ever had. But Big Nog versus Randy Couture was the first one where I was like, dude, they have to make these main events five rounds because that fight was so good. Now, you look at the scorecards, and it's 30-27 for Noguera, and rightfully so. But what made that fight so great was the heart of Randy Couture mixed with the technique of Noguera. Because, look, Noguera would drop him, and... You know, in certain cases, like you saw when Noguera fought Brendan Schaub, he put him out right away. Certain guys, they get dropped, and uh, the fights will be over shortly after, but not with Randy Couture. When, when you call this guy Captain America, you call him that for a reason. The heart he brings to the table, the determination, the desire to win, and he'd get dropped, and then he'd scramble back up. He'd be caught in a deep darse choke, and somehow he'd find the littlest uh, amount of space and air to survive and come back and start throwing big bombs of his own. Uh, you guys got to watch Noguera vs. Couture, UFC 92. Now... A fight I really like actually comes from a trilogy, and y'all have probably seen the second and the third uh, fights that these two had, but I'm not exactly sure if y'all have seen the first, because it actually ended in no contest, but it was so exciting while it lasted, and that was Charles Dubronx Oliveira versus Nick Lentz, the first time they fought. 
I believe it was like back on Fuel TV. You know, I, I know y'all old school hardcore fans remember that shit, but man, those two had an epic fight for the longest time. I thought it was like the best fight I'd ever seen. Both guys get dropped, both guys get taken down, submission attempts all across the board. Ended with an illegal uh, knee followed by a rear naked choke by Charles Oliveira, who, by the way, has, you know, now submitted Nick Lenz twice and knocked him out once, but. You just have to watch this fight for the sole entertainment value. You know, forget about the illegal knee. It was unfortunate how it ended. But up until that point, and even up until that point, I mean, it was a unbelievable war. You guys have to check that out. Charles Oliveira versus Nick Lentz won. Now, this fight, this next one I'm going to talk about, has a special place in my heart because to this day, it is the best retirement I have ever seen. Oftentimes, you see these fighters who they'll have an amazing prime. Maybe they touched gold. Maybe they didn't. But... They don't know when to say when. You know, you look at guys like BJ Penn, and man, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer no matter what. He's a legend for what he accomplished. I mean, he belt at, at lightweight, belt at welterweight, you know. The guy even fought Machida at light heavyweight, or heavyweight, actually, back in the day. He's a real badass, right? But y'all know he's like on a seven-fight losing streak or something among those lines because he didn't know when to say when. Still doesn't. I mean, y'all saw... Uh, my boy opens MMA Twitter, posted some shit about how BJ Penn's got people telling him that he should still fight. Uh, man, those yes men just want to get a percentage of that six-figure paycheck. It's disgusting. So look out for my boy BJ Penn. But the best retirement I have ever seen in all my years of watching mixed martial arts was Chris Lights Out Lytle versus Dan Hardy. I mean, this fight is so good because if you've watched Chris Lytle throughout his entire career, you guys already know he was the first man in UFC history to win a knockout of the night, a submission of the night, and a fight of the night. And what I mean by that, he was the first man to have all three awards because that's how exciting he was. And in his retirement fight, he had the perfect dance partner in Dan Hardy. And uh, those two had a serious war. I mean, Chris Lytle was winning every round. He landed the better of the shots. But towards the end of that fight, he hit, he hit Hardy with such a hard shot. Hardy shot in for a takedown, got submitted as a result. And then the retirement speech, I mean, you know, I'm not crying, you are, you know what I'm saying? I definitely shed a tear for that shit. You know, he had his son, his daughter in the cage with him. And, and Lytle's such a respect, uh, you know, a respectful guy and a respected guy. Because not only did he put on the line every single time he fought, but the guy's also a firefighter outside of the cage. Just a family man, a great father. Even ran for office at one point. You gotta love Chris Lytle. But after the epic fight... With Dan Hardy, he gets on the mic and he, he gives one of the best retirement speeches I've ever seen. You know, talks about how much he loves the UFC, but there's only one thing that he'll put in front of the UFC, and that's his family. And, and, and it was a truly great moment. So go watch Chris Lyle versus Dan Hardy. Now, a modern day classic that I really like, and it wasn't because the technique was so good. It wasn't because, you know, these guys are future champs. No, it's just because. This was the embodiment the embodiment of a real fight. This was two warriors going out there and they didn't really have anything to gain monetarily. They didn't really have you know, it was just more so the love of fighting. And I'm talking about Polo Reyes versus Dong Young, the Maestro Kim. Man, uh that shit was epic. I mean, both guys got dropped multiple times. They were standing and trading until one man finally fell for the final time. And uh when you talk about a card like UFC 199, now just think about this for a second. Let's talk about what fights were on that card. Michael Bisming knocking out Luke Rockhold, you know, for the upset in the main event. You had Ortega versus Guida, Dustin Poirier versus Bobby Green, the rematch or the trilogy between Cruz and Faber, even Dan Henderson's homecoming against Hector Lombard with that vicious knockout, the head kick to the side elbow. 
Now, out of all those fights, y'all know what got fight of the night, right? It was the first fight of the night between Polo Reyes and Dongyang Maestro Kim. So for that to get fight of the night on such a stack car, it speaks volumes to what to the entertainment level and just the blood and guts that these two put forth for our entertainment. So shout out to Polo Reyes and Dongyang Kim. I honestly think that fight itself should be in the UFC Hall of Fame. I think it will be one day. Definitely check it out if you haven't. And if you have, fucking go watch it again. It never gets old. So I mentioned how Leonard Garcia, you know, the guy's such an action fighter, always exciting. And, you know, he had many classics, you know, the Korean zombie fight, which I always talk about, even the Mark Hominick fight in the WEC. But one fight I liked that he had in the UFC that, you know, he ended up being, he ended up having a rematch with this guy. Now, he fought Nam Fan at UFC 136 in Houston, Texas, the night that Frankie Edgar fought Gray Manor the third time. And when I tell you that the crowd was on its feet for all 15 minutes, I'm 100% serious because Nam Fan, he has such a technical edge on the feet. He's picking apart Leonard Garcia. But in that third round, Leonard Garcia still coming forward, almost knocks the guy out. The crowd is on their feet. I mean, we were going crazy for that. It was just a typical Leonard Garcia fight where the guy's winging huge overhands, huge hooks, huge uppercuts, the knees, everything. And again, one common topic uh, or one common theme of you know this whole best fights shit is uh, a willing dance partner. Well, Nam Fan, I'll tell you what, that kid stood in the pocket with Leonard Garcia, gave him the fight he wanted. Uh, they ended up putting on a serious show. Now, another modern day one I like is Yancey Medeiros versus Alex Cowboy. Uh, talk about a fight where, you know, it was an upset. A lot of people did not expect Yancey Medeiros to win that fight. And Yancey Medeiros is such a tough Hawaiian warrior. You know, he's known for getting dropped you know, in fights and then coming back and dropping his opponent. And that's exactly the kind of fight that this was. Both guys got dropped multiple times and they did some serious harm to each other. I mean, noses were broken. Uh, dudes got fucked up in that fight between Yancey Medeiros and Alex Cowboy Oliveira. And, uh, you know, they took so much damage in that fight that it seems like neither guy has been the same, especially Yancey. Uh, and no disrespect, I, I like both guys a lot. You know, at least Alex Cowboy came back, won his last fight. I'm happy to see that. But Yancey is... Not looked the same since then, man. I I hope the guy's good, but yeah, you know, I wish him nothing but the best. But regardless, he gave us that classic, and uh, we can always go back and rewatch Yancey Medeiros versus Alex Cowboy Oliveira. Now, one fight that I was lucky enough to witness in person that I think is kind of underrated just for the sole fact that the co-main event was so good. What about the main event between Dustin Poirier and Max Holloway? The second time they fought at UFC 136 in Atlanta, Georgia at the State Farm Arena. So the first time that Max Holloway and Dustin Poirier fought, for those that don't know, it was actually one of the best submissions I've ever seen. Uh, Dustin Poirier got Max Holloway in, so he had like a mounted triangle to an armbar. It was like pulling up the lever. Unbelievable submission. So then they rematch many years later. And, and it's interesting because when they fought the first time, that was like Max Holloway's UFC debut. It was like, what, nine, between 19 and 21. I, I forget the age. He was just a kid. And you saw little glimpses in the stand-up, but he got submitted right away. So no one really thought that he was going to... No, no one really knew what to expect going forward, right? But fast forward many years, all of a sudden, Max Holloway is one of the greatest featherweight champions we've ever seen. He's moving up to lightweight, trying to uh, attempt to get two gold belts. And Dustin Poirier is a guy who he's always been so close, always been in the top five at, at featherweight, moves up to lightweight, makes it to the top five there had some setbacks along the way, but kept grinding. That's why we love Poirier so much in addition to how exciting he is as a fighter. And he's also a super cool guy. I love that guy. Um, but they finally meet in the rematch, UFC 136, and it was the power of Dustin Poirier. The impact of his shots made the difference against Max Holloway the second time they fought. And uh, 
just the resilience. Again, back to Yancey Medeiros with that Hawaiian spirit, that Hawaiian chin. Max Holloway has the same damn thing, man. I mean, a lot of those shots that Dustin Poirier was landing would have knocked out other men as you've seen throughout his career, but not, not Max Holloway. Max Holloway wasn't willing to take no for an answer. And, I mean, he stood in the pocket with Dustin Poirier for five straight rounds. And it was Dustin Poirier landing the harder shots throughout that five-round duration that got him the UFC lightweight interim belt. So it was an unbelievable moment. I, I got to say, I shed a tear seeing Dustin Poirier uh, touch gold in person. And then the co-main event of that card was the classic fight that many people called fight of the year between Israel Adesanya and Kelvin Gastelum because Israel has been looking untouchable. He still hasn't been being inside the UFC. But Kelvin's a guy who's habitually underrated almost every single fight, especially when he shows up. Because I know sometimes my boy... Kelvin, uh, shout out to Kelvin. I know it's 420 right now. I know my boy likes to get down. Uh, you know, he's smoking some blunts and eating that those pastor tacos, misses weight sometimes, or you know, sometimes he doesn't show up. But when Kelvin shows up, that guy is a demon, and he gave Israel Adesanya all he could handle. And it was two two going into the fifth round. All came down to that fifth round, and Israel Adesanya he made the best championship adjustment that I've seen since Henry Cejudo versus Marlon Moraes and went out there, got a 10-8 round in that fifth, almost got the stoppage on multiple occasions and walked away Atlanta, Georgia with that UFC belt. Now, I cannot talk about the top 10 best fights to watch while stoned without mentioning uh, Matthew Immortal Brown, who's one of the most exciting fighters I've ever seen in my lifetime. Now, the first Matt Brown fight I ever saw was his first round stoppage against Pete Sell. And I say first round stoppage. He stopped the guy like three times in that fight. It was some of the worst refing we've ever seen. He knocks him out and then the ref steps in to stop it. But then he's like, wait, wait, no, go, keep going, keep going, keep going. We're like, oh my God, Eves, what are you doing? He tried to get Pete Sell killed. But the technique of Matt Brown from that clinch, those elbows, those knees, oh my God, it was vicious. Right then and there, I was a Matt Brown fan. Uh, right then and there, I was a Matt Brown fan. Then obviously in Atlanta, Georgia, when he handed Wonderboy Thompson his first defeat at a UFC, it was the night that John Jones fought Rashad Evans. UFC 145 off the top of my head, I believe it was. Goes out there, beats Wonderboy Thompson. Super exciting fight while it lasted, especially that third round when he really started teeing off. And Matt Brown's had a couple more fights that are just so epic. The Jordan Meehan fight. You remember when he got dropped with that body shot there? Comes back and just puts it on Jordan Meehan, walks him down, lands every shot in the book, broke him in a way where we were like, oh my God, Matt Brown, this guy might be on a serious run now. He ended up being on a serious one run, got a seven-fight win streak, and it was all topped off with that Eric Silva fight, which Eric Silva was always a guy that we knew in that first round, he's dangerous as hell. He's hell on wheels in that first round, especially... Before the drug testing came in, you know what I'm saying? And uh, Matt Brown weathered that storm. And, you know, he got dropped with a body kick. He got his back taken the whole bit. And he weathered the storm and came back in a way where Eric Silva was never the same after that, guys. So definitely go back and rewatch all those Matt Brown fights. I mentioned the Eric Silva fight, the Pete Sell fight, Jordan Mean and Wonderboy. And an honorable mention, shout out to my boy Bilal Muhammad. You know, the, cur the current form he's in right now, man, I love to see it. But when he made his UFC debut against Alan Juban, that was the fight of the night on International Fight Week. And uh, man, when you talk about heart, you talk about Bilal Muhammad. You know, there's a guy, he was fasting for Ramadan. He got dropped a couple times in that fight. Keeps keeps getting back up and then gets a 10-8 round in the third. Uh, that's the kind of heart we love to see in the UFC. So Alan Juban versus Bilal Muhammad is my honorable mention. Well, now we got to talk about uh, our top five favorite strains. You know, this is 420, uh, the 420 edition of Half the Battle. So let me hit up uh, my Bantamweight prospect, the undefeated, the 21-year-old, Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead. Here we go.
Wow, I'm blown away. Uh, the Rockstar missed my call. That That's not something that you see happen very, very often. We'll see if he calls us uh, while uh, while we're doing this. But, you know, the show must go on. So, uh, shout out to my boy, Jamar the Rockstar Wyatt. I hope everything's good. I'm sure everything's good. He's probably, like, training or some shit. Even though we said 130, I'm definitely going to whoop his ass when we get back in the gym May 1st. Uh, Arm Triangle Special is coming to you, Jamar. Uh, look out for that, young man. Well, anyways, let's talk about our top five favorite strains. So... Number five, look, it's all about the flavor, the smell. I mean, if you're giving me stems and seeds, if this shit smells like pine, I want nothing to do with it. It's only the best or nothing at all. And uh, number five, we got to start with the blueberry. Look, it's it's a good classic. I love the aftertaste on it. Uh, sometimes you got to wait till nighttime for the blueberry because it can be really deceptively strong. But I think it's a good, you know, a good place to start with a top five. Always down for some blueberry. Nah. Here's where the real list starts, because number four, the Forbidden Skunk. What y'all know about that Forbidden Skunk? You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, back with Adam and Eve uh, with the Forbidden Fruit. Well, nowadays we're smoking on that Forbidden Skunk and just the colors, the trichromes. Uh, I know it's funny. I'm like learning these new terms, right? But <laughs> No, it's just a very nice feel. Uh, I like how it tastes. Am I, am I like some fucking weed tester now with these fucking, the ways I'm describing it and shit? Oh, now he's calling. Now he's fucking calling. And joining me now is 21-year-old undefeated phenom Jamar the Rockstar Wyatt. Jamar, it's, it's nice of you to show up and uh, answer my calls. How's it going? <laughs> it's going well, bro. It's uh, great to be back on the show, finally, right? I know. It's been a long time, but look, it's 420. Happy 420. I couldn't think of a better guest than the Rockstar himself to... Uh, Help us talk about our top five favorite strains. Uh, I thought he was about to no-show me, so I already told them my number five and my number four, and you already know that was the blueberry coming in at number five, the forbidden skunk coming in at number four. And I got to know you're five and four, and then we're going to unpack our top three. My my top five and four has to definitely be forbidden fruit. I love forbidden fruit. You can never go wrong with some forbidden fruit. And... Uh, Sour Diesel, man, that's that's always a good one too. It's uh, it's a classic. We uh, my first time ever, one of my first times ever having the opportunity to smoke was actually with Sour Diesel. So, I think what we like so much about the Sour Diesel is that it's really good for focusing. You know, it's a really good daytime. It's something. You know, for for all you waking bakers out there, I mean, some of us like to get shit done during the day and then come smoke at night. But for some of y'all that like to wake up and bake, uh, sour diesel is the perfect strain to go to. Nice head high, doesn't make you too stupid, makes you functional. I think that's probably why you like it, right, Jay? Absolutely, man. I mean, how how else? I love to. I love creativity. You know me. You you see my style, stuff like that. There's nothing that gets me more creative than something like sour diesel to be honest with you it's what really makes me you know watching fights while on sour diesel it makes me it makes me think like oh man this guy could have done that and then i'll go and try it and it works out perfectly you know what i mean so much credit to sour diesel honestly <laughs> now jamar in your last title fight you went out there dropped the guy with a hammer fist was there any uh, sour diesel going on uh, in the locker room during the warm-up not in the not in the locker room, man. I try not to smoke the day of the fight, but best believe, right after the fight, I had a, I actually had quite a few strains ready. So, and one of them was sour diesel, of course. So, there it is. So now we got to get to the top three. So look, for me, when it comes to the top three, 
you know, one that I'll always go to that, you know, ever since I was a kid to now as a 30-year-old grown-ass man, you can't go wrong with the granddaddy purple. I mean, uh, you got to call grandpa at some point, you know what I'm saying, Jamar? And uh, add in that purple, something about that that full body mixed with a little bit of the head too. Uh, I'm all about the granddaddy purple. And look, for a lot of people, Jamar, the the indicas kind of make them stupid, put them to sleep right away. I don't know what it is, but for me, kind of gets me in the zone a bit. So my number three, Jamar, is the granddaddy purple. I can definitely agree with you on number three. Granddaddy purple is definitely in the top three. It has to be. But like you said, it makes you focus and stuff like that, gets you ready to go. That's more of like the nighttime for me. You know what I'm saying? When I'm winding down, had a long day of training, something like that, I'm ready to chill out for the day. That's what I, that's my go-to. Yeah, no, I feel you. And I feel like, you know, in addition to kind of just winding down and things among that nature, kind of feel like it might help you heal a little bit. Uh, you know, if you're sore after some hard training, you know, if I got you in my arm triangle and jujitsu, I feel like the, the granddaddy purple might be a good way to, you know, to settle down a bit. Uh, get me in an arm triangle or just like a general person. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking, bro. I'm just joking. Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely, I feel like it definitely gets rid of some soreness and to an extent, of course, you know. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, like I said, top three. It has to be. has to be. And uh, what would you say your third is? Third? I would say number three is Granddaddy Perp. Okay, so we got a consensus here. Our consensus third is the Granddaddy Perp. You know, after a nice jujitsu session, sit in the sauna for a little bit, sweat it out. Nothing better. Coming home, cook your own meal, fire up a blunt of the Granddaddy Purple, and uh, be on your way. So now we got to get to the top two, Jamar. I mean, look, the real stoners are, might throw some heat at us if we don't get these top two right. So we got to make sure we come in uh, guns blazing, no pun intended. So I'm going to let you go first, man. What's your number two strain out of your top five? Uh, number two strain, man, uh, a lot of people might not agree, but my number two is definitely Dosey Dose. Definitely a great one for me. Feels the what? Really good. Me? I'm sorry? What'd you say it was called? Dosey Dose. Dosey Dose? Like, have you ever uh, had that? No, I, don't, I mean, I probably have, but not off the top of my head. That name doesn't sound too familiar. It's a very good one, bro. I, I suggest you, uh, I would recommend you trying, to, trying it. Like Dosey Dose in Spanish? Like two and two? Right. Dose, yeah, pretty much, exactly. Okay. Dose, it, I'm guessing since you like it, it's a sativa? Or is it a hybrid? It's a hybrid. That okay, a hybrid. My, you know my boy, the Rockstar, is on them hybrids. Uh, look, for me, my number two, <laughs> we, got, we got to go to the classic. We got to go to the originator. We got to go to the OG. I'm talking about the OG Kush. Look, something about the feel, the taste, the smell of that OG Kush. You know when you look at it, the green with the nice red hairs, you crack it open, you see those crystals. That smell is just so pungent. That OG Kush, when you get the real OG Kush, you can't go wrong. Now, here's the thing. A lot of guys like to say they have the OG Kush, but between you and me, Jamar, they don't really have the OG Kush. But when you get that OG Kush, you know for a fact exactly what it is, and there's a reason it's my number two strain. And for me, look, growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, it was always between two strains, Jamar. It was between the Perp and the Kush. Now, you know, eventually it got watered down to where everyone said they had the Kush. Oh, I got the Cali Kush. Like, no, no, you don't. Shut the fuck up, right? But when you finally get your hands on that OG Kush, uh, you break it up. The crystals are still left in that bag on your fingers. It's a beautiful thing, a beautiful smell, a beautiful taste. And most importantly, Jamar, a beautiful feeling. So, Jamar, uh, OG Kush is my number two. 
that's not too far off for me. I like OG Kush for sure. That's a good one. And last but not least, I, I got to hear your number one. Uh, the fans are very curious. If they're in a dispensary right now, what would be Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead's number one strain here on the 420 edition of Half the Battle? 100% without a doubt, number one strain for the Rockstar is Gorilla Glue. You can never go wrong with Gorilla Glue. It gets me super focused, super creative, all the right feelings that I personally like when I'm smoking. So if I had to, if I could smoke only one strain for the rest of my life, it would definitely have to be Gorilla Glue. Now, I feel where he's coming from. Look, Gorilla Glue, very popular around these parts. Uh, I know lots of people like it. I like it myself. But for me, the one that I will always go back to, and I say go back to always, but the thing about it, Jamar, is it's rare. I don't often find this kind, but when I did, it was unlike anything I've ever had before in my life. And what's truly special about this strain is that, look, with a lot of strains, you get it the first time, the first two times. Oh, man, every time you hit it, it's amazing. But eventually, you know, you build a tolerance. Uh, you might need to change things up. But let me tell you the one strain where I did not have to change things up, Jamar, ever. And that's the God's gift. I mean, firstly, when you just look at it aesthetically, it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. I mean, if people call this thing a drug, I mean, it's like purple, it's pink, it's green, it's yellow, orange. It's just the most beautiful looking plant you've ever seen. But then we talk about the taste and the smell, Jamar, and, and God's gift is truly paradise. So if I could only smoke one strain for the rest of my life, it's the God's gift. Look, it doesn't matter if you wake up and bake. It doesn't matter if you work the whole day and then come home and try it. The God's gift is good for any time of the day, and I hope I'm lucky enough to have it sometime again in my lifetime. Uh, Jamar, you got any experience with the God's gift? I smoked it actually one time. It was, uh, yeah, I mean, I completely forgot about that one. Yeah, that's how good it was, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, uh, hey, look, Jay, I told you I only need five minutes of your time, but we got I got a fan Q&A to do. You want to hop on here with me or you got to go? I got to go, bro. Okay, Bye. Brody. Well, hey, man, it's been good having you on this very special 420 edition of Half the Battle. The fans can follow you at the Rockstar MMA. Uh, big things coming up. This is my undefeated Bantamweight prospect, 21 years old. Look out for Jamar Whitehead, the Rockstar. Uh Jamar, anything uh, you got to say to the fans before we go? Yeah, I want to say uh, shout-out to everybody that's always believed in me and supported me through everything. Uh, big things, like you said, are coming this year. So even with this whole pandemic going on, big things for sure are coming this year. Uh, pro debut hopefully is coming this year. And from there, like you know more than uh, anyone else, Daniel, we have a very good plan to get to the UFC or Bellator or PFL, whatever it is, major organization, very, very soon. By 2021, it's seeming. So, yes, sir. And for everyone that just heard what he said, look, the kid's about to make his pro debut. And it's funny because I don't really have amateurs on my show, but you guys know I got a real eye for talent. This kid will be in the UFC in the next two years. So definitely look out for Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead. Jamar, appreciate the time, buddy. And uh, we'll speak soon. One more thing, bro. One more thing, if you don't mind me adding. Shout out to the greatest fight podcast there is, Half the Battle. And uh, best fight fix official, of course. You guys are the best. So... Take it easy, and I'll talk to you guys soon. You're the man, bro. Talk soon. All right. There he is, Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead. Got to love that kid. Uh, truly brings a different light, you know, when you're in the gym. And just watching him fight. Like I already told you all, the kid's fight IQ is so wise beyond his years that uh, I know this guy's going to go far if he stays on the path. So definitely look out for the Rockstar Jamar Whitehead. Well, now uh, got to get to this fan Q&A. So let's, uh, let's see what kind of questions y'all had for me on this very... Special 420 edition of Half the Battle. So, uh, 
Oh, wait, look, Jamar just messaged me. He said, hey, I can do the Q&A with you in five minutes. All right, all right, let's let's uh, let's wait for my boy Jamar to get back on the line here. I'm, I'm going to meet back up with you all in five minutes. So look who uh, decided to call back uh, here on Half the Battle, Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead. The only man in MMA history to have two appearances on one episode of Half the Battle. Uh, welcome back, Jamar. It's great to be back, my man. It's like I never left. I mean, truly, I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. So look. The fans got some questions. They need some answers. So let's get right down to business, Jamar, because Neezy says, can Dominic Cruz overcome the odds and regain UFC gold? Now, look, Jamar, I'm going to let you take this one first. Look, Bantamweight is your division, 135 pounds. And as you know, Dominic Cruz was the first ever UFC Bantamweight champion. Henry Cejudo is the current UFC Bantamweight champion. Can uh, the George Washington uh, of the Bantamweight division, Dominic Cruz, overcome the odds and regain UFC gold, Jamar? I don't want to say that Dominic Cruz is going to run through Henry Cejudo, and I would never say Henry Cejudo is going to run through Dominic Cruz. But what I will say is Dominic Cruz has a very, very interesting style to beat Henry Cejudo. The reason I say that, Henry Cejudo's game, from what I've noticed in his Marlin fight, in his fight against DJ, and in many other fights, his game is pressured. You know, typical wrestler, you know what I mean? That's not to take away from his good striking either. He, has, he does have really good striking, right? But it's typically pressure, you know? Pressure, 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 hits you, hits you, hits you, clinch up me, boom, break off, clinch up again. You know what I mean? Dom's not going to give him the opportunity for all that. I truly believe he will not give him the opportunity for any of that. Dominic Cruz is one of the best move, like people that moves in the, in the Bantamweight division, let alone the UFC. His style is very interesting. You don't see it too often. Um, if I had to pick a winner, I'd actually pick Dominic Cruz by decision. Oh, wow. So the rock star is going with the upset. He's going with the former champion to become the new champion uh, May 9th. And and I'll be honest, Henry Cejudo is one of my favorite fighters. Very inspiring for me. You know, uh, defied odds on multiple occasions, beating DJ, beating Arlen, uh, on top of many other people. So don't take what I'm saying the wrong way. Of course, like Henry Cejudo is a big, big uh, inspiration and motivation to me at the end of the day, Dominic Cruz is too, but you can't look at it like that. You can't be biased in that, in that sense. You have to look at it from a stylistic matchup. And that's what I'm doing right now. I think Dominic Cruz, like I said, he just, he moves too much. He's not going to, I mean, Henry Cejudo is not going to have the opportunity to, to press Dominic Cruz too much. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And you bring some very valid points. Now, I guess the counter argument that I would make for Cejudo is this. So there's no doubt about it that Dominic Cruz has some of the most innovative footwork in the history of the sport, not just the bantamweight division, Jamar, in the entire sport. So that first round and a half, uh, there is a good chance he's going out there and dancing around Cejudo, picking him apart. But also, another thing I got to I got to give credit to Cruz for is that he has come off a long layoff and won UFC gold before. So everyone's saying he can't win because he's coming off a layoff. I wouldn't look into the layoff too much. This guy dethroned TJ Dillashaw off a three-year layoff once before. So the layoff isn't what I'm looking at. I'm looking at the stylistic matchup. And while I agree with you, in the early going, Dominic Cruz can have his way. However... One thing you got to give Henry Cejudo credit for in his last fight against Marlon Moraes, or uh, as we like to say, uh, Jamar Marlon, is that uh, 
Henry Cejudo made single-handedly one of the best championship adjustments I have ever seen in my history of watching the sport. I mean, when you look at the first round and you compare it to the second and third, it's a tale of two different fights. And that's the kind of competitor you're dealing with when you talk about a guy like Henry Cejudo. He can make those in-fight adjustments. He does have that high fight IQ. And we noticed in that TJ Dillashaw fight with Dominic Cruz that towards the fourth and fifth round, TJ actually started making an adjustment too, but it was too late. And that adjustment was the addition of the leg kicks because look, Cruz is a mover, like you said. What's the best way to hamper the movement of a guy like that? You got to go down and start kicking those legs a little bit. And I'm also curious to see if Henry Cejudo can actually take down Dominic Cruz. Because look, Dominic Cruz is a very good wrestler himself. And to take down a guy like that is a serious feat. I mean, just to remind you guys, Dominic Cruz took down TJ Dillashaw four times in their fight. But on the flip side, you look at Henry Cejudo. He took down Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. He took down Marlon Moraes. So... This is such an intriguing fight that I'm very curious to see. If this fight hits the third, fourth, and fifth round, I'm very intrigued to see who's going to have the upper hand there. So, man, hell of a matchup. And uh, to answer your question, Neezy, I think it comes down to, once again, what kind of in-fight adjustments can the champion Henry Cejudo make? That's good. That's what's going to determine this fight. So 420MMA says, what are some of your favorite comedies you guys would recommend we watch when we are all blasted tonight? So, Jamar, you want to take this one first? Oh man, now you got that one. I'm gonna have to think about this one. Okay, I got it. You know, it's funny because I did a a podcast with MMA Radio last night, and we actually talked about a similar thing. So I already got my list written, and at number five, you got to go with the classic. You got to go with Friday. I mean, look, Ice Cube and Chris Tucker absolutely killed it in that fight. It's one of those movies that actually I said that fight absolutely killed it in that movie. It, it's one of those movies that you can watch at any point and still laugh just as much as you did the first time, and especially on 420, definitely. Gotta watch Friday. Another one I like. Now, this isn't a traditional comedy, you know, because it does have a lot of funny moments, but there's also, you also sympathize with the main character a lot. Uh, I just think it was really well done. I'm talking about Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Uh, I like that movie a lot. Definitely one I can go back to. Uh, my third place is a classic Jim Carrey movie, The Mask. Uh, I don't know what it is about The Mask, but I'm always laughing my ass off every fucking time I watch The Mask with Jim Carrey and Cameron Diaz. And speaking of Cameron Diaz, this movie that has my number two spot, uh, not only is this one of my favorite comedies of all time, Jamar, but this is one of my favorite movies of all time, and that's There's Something About Mary. Uh, I don't know what it is, but every single time I watch Ben Stiller, Matt Dillon, and uh, Cameron Diaz, even my boy Brett Favre, right, in uh, There's Something About Mary, I'm always dying laughing, but my first place uh, is the classic, it's the OG, it's the originator, it's Dumb and Dumber. Uh, I, Dude. Talk about laughing as much as you did the first time as watching it the last time. Dumb and Dumber always, always has me laughing. Talk about 420, let's eat some edibles and watch Dumb and Dumber. I'm down. Those are my top five favorite movies to watch while stoned. What about you, man? So we're doing top five, huh? Okay, let's 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 see. Uh, I mean, look, if you only got well, three, I'm... name the three. Whatever, whatever you go to to watch while you're high. Okay, you got to go. Of course, you know, you got to go with Superbad. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie. I think everybody's. <laughs> We've seen it, young man. Enough, enough said enough said the hangover you can't go wrong with that movie either i mean that's to me at this point you know it's 2020 now that it should be considered a classic in my opinion um most people should have seen that movie too 21 D- jump street is another one that i love i love that movie underrated uh, as fuck very underrated uh and if i have to i'm gonna add one more in there if that's okay of course scary movie too 
You can never go wrong with Scary Movie 2. It's a classic. You know, it's funny. Um, So, Scary Movie, correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't seen it in a while. Originally, it started off like they were making fun of Scream, right? Uh, yes, the first one. First yeah, one. yeah, they were making fun of Scream, but... Okay, how many scary movies did they have? Didn't they end up having like a third and a fourth, or, or am I wrong here? I think they're on like seven. So like, okay, they kind of fell off like after a couple, right? Like, cause I remember the first two were kind of funny, but then after that it sucked. Is that the case? That's pretty much it, yeah. So you got to watch number two. I think that's the best one to me. That's a scary movie too. You got one more for the fans, one little honorable mention? Uh, man, I don't know. I don't know about that one. It's all good. Well, look, if it comes back to you, you let us know. But in the meantime, we got some more uh, fan questions to answer. My boy Neezy had another question. He wanted to know, will Calvin Cater, Boston's own, get a stoppage win over Jeremy Stevens, or will it be a razor-close decision win? What do you think, man? I mean, look, Jamar, I believe you might have been born in Boston. You know Calvin Cater represents y'all, uh, you know what I mean, at the featherweight division. You think he's going to get the stoppage over Jeremy Stevens or win a decision? You know, I was born in Boston, but I represent Hollywood, Florida. You know, I got, I'm a rock star from Hollywood. Makes sense, right? But at the end of the day, of course, I, I'm a big fan of Calvin Cater, first off. I just want to start off by saying that I, I believe he's, a, he's one of the top prospects in the featherweight division. Uh, great boxing, very, very underrated knockout power, in my opinion. Uh, I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves, honestly. With that being said, Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens is one of those guys that you're going to have to, you're going to have to take it from him. If that makes sense. You know, he's not, he's not the greatest anywhere, but he's good everywhere. If that makes sense. Like he, and he, he also has knockout power. But with that being said, Jeremy Stevens, his fight AQ isn't, isn't the greatest sometimes, you know, he just wants to brawl sometimes. And I think that can be his downfall against a great and technical boxer like Calvin Cater. I mean, you saw what Calvin Cater did to, Yes, a washed-up Ricardo Lamas, but still Ricardo Lamas at the end of the day. You know what I mean? So, Jeremy Stevens, he's, he's been through the ringer too, man. So, who's to say Calvin Cater won't knock him out, man? I, I truly believe Calvin Cater can get the finish. But even if he does not get the finish, I don't see it being a razor-close decision. I see it being Calvin Cater all three rounds. That's a good breakdown. I'm going to break it down for real on fight week. You already know uh, we saved the fight predictions for fight week, but... Look, just know that I've been high on Calvin Cater for a very long time. I said that he was a top five guy before he was even ranked, and I think he's finally starting to get the respect he deserves. But Jeremy Stevens has been in the UFC a long time. You sleep on Jeremy Stevens like Josh Emmett did, and it was Josh Emmett who was out stiff on the canvas and had to take a year off and all kinds of reconstructive surgery. So if Calvin Cater thinks this is cute, if he thinks this is some kind of joke, then he might be the one that gets knocked out and has to look up at the lights with a flashlight from the ref. But that being said, I mean, Calvin Cater... I know he's not taking this uh, as some kind of joke. I know he's taking this serious, and he's just better than Jeremy Stevens. It's just that you're dealing with a very highly priced line. Is there any value at minus 250? That's the big question. Or is it a spot where you sit back and enjoy, see if Calvin's really as good as we think he is? Or is there value on Jeremy Stevens? So that's what we're going to discuss on Fight Week right here, right now on Half the Battle, even though it's not right here, right now. It's in about two weeks. But uh, we got you. Don't worry about that. Brandon says... Can I get your thoughts on PFL canceling its season for the rest of 2020? Um, yeah, I mean, look, on one hand, you got to commend them for taking, you know, those steps in terms of ensuring everyone's health. But on another 
And, I mean, it's kind of a blow to the fighters that were relying on that money, the guys that have the dreams of one day winning the million, just us as fight fans wanting to see the fights. And I know my boy, uh, Lewis Taylor, shout out to him, the PFL middleweight champion, really, really good guy. You know, he won the belt and the million dollars in 2018, but then on 2019, they got him on some bullshit and they actually they actually got rid of their middleweight division. So he wanted to drop to 70. I'll let him uh, talk about what happened, but the bottom line is now he won't even have that opportunity. So next time he fights, it will be 2021. And the last time before that was December 31st, 2018. You see what I'm saying? So these guys are going to be coming off serious layoffs now. I'm curious how it affects them, but I heard that PFL said they were going to give some of their guys a monthly stipend. So I'm happy to hear that they're being compensated, but just as a sports fan, it sucks because you want shit to get back to normal as soon as possible. You want to see the fights again. This is this is what we love, uh, and you want to see the fighters making money, and if it's in a healthy and safe way, I'm all for it. Sounds like they couldn't find a way to make that happen, so they probably made the best decision for them. Hopefully UFC doesn't go in that route, right? But uh, yeah, uh, mi- mixed feelings, uh, Brandon, is how I feel. Uh, Jamar, you got any thoughts on PFL canceling their 2020 season? Mixed feelings as well, man. I mean, on one hand, like you said, I mean, there's obviously something serious going on in pandemic uh, worldwide, not even just nationwide, it's worldwide. So there's definitely an issue going on. So on one hand, like you said, you have to commend them. You have to, because they're, they're basically in the grand scheme of things, looking out for their fighters, you know, their fighter safety, not only their fighter safety, but the fan safety, you know what I mean? Like, there's just there's so much going on right now it's it in to an extent it could be for the best but then you have to think like you said i'm glad those fighters are getting compensated for uh for being out so long but at the same time so i and i mean this from the bottom of my heart i know there's some fighters in the ufc in bellator pfl any organization that's major i know there's all these there's fighters that make it to those organizations and let me elaborate when I say this, they're not real fighters. What I mean by that is guys that actually just like, they love to fight. They're getting compensated now. Yeah, that's great. That's fine. That's dandy. But at the same time, they're not able to do what they, what they actually want to do. You know what I mean? That's fight. They want to fight. Now they have to stay locked up in their house or, you know, even if they're not locked up in their house, they, they can't perform on the level that they want to you know so that's a real well said that's a real slap in the face for some some for the real fighters not everybody's a real fighter i'll be honest with you so i mean it's it's a good thing but it's a bad thing in my opinion i don't think they should have necessarily canceled their whole entire tournament season or whatever but i think they should have uh i think they should have went more of the route of postponing it to the end of the year rather than you know what i mean yeah rather than just getting rid of it for the year no i mean i I feel where you're coming from Uh, it's just you know i wish i was an expert on the health and safety type shit because then i'd have a better uh, opinion but yeah it just sucks they couldn't make it work out the thing is with this topic too there's no one that you me and you could have completely different ideals on this situation but who's to say you're wrong and who's to say i'm right there's no there's no one that because no one really knows what's going on with this with this pandemic, and that's obviously the reason they canceled it. So no one really knows what's going on. So I, let's hypothetically, of course, say that I think this is not a big deal at all. You know what I mean? I don't think this pandemic is a big deal at all. You 
hypothetically think it's a super big deal, right? Who's to say that you're right and you're and I'm wrong or vice versa? There's no way to really prove it right now. There's not enough scientific evidence right now. So let's let's wait for the research to come out a little bit more and just let's just keep moving in the right direction. I, I just I think PFL, like I said, on one hand they did a really, really good thing. On another hand, it's very, very upsetting. Bottom line of it. I feel you. Um, so the MMA casual says, uh, he said, favorite strain, hamstring or calf? Well, I- I'm not sure about strains, uh, but hamstring or calf, what do you prefer to kick more, Jamar? Because uh, I know those calf kicks are very popular these days, but you are a southpaw. Uh, you like kicking that hamstring or that calf? That's, that's, a, that's a hard one. So let me just say it like this then. If I'm fighting a orthodox fighter, my uh, – I'm kicking the hamstring all day because it's just right there, and they, they really can't stop it. Uh, shout out to Coach Brown, Brown Muay Thai, because he's the one that taught me how to angle out myself and, you know, throw. He basically taught me how to hit and don't get hit. Also, shout out to Master De Jesus from De Jesus Taekwondo. He did the same thing. I had some really great instructors growing up, and it shows in my abilities now. So, yeah, man, I, if I'm fighting an orthodox fighter, they're going to, if they throw it, so I'm not even going to break down my style, but... I'm going to go down. I'll, I'll throw that hamstring kick a lot. If I'm fighting a southpaw, my style changes a, a slight bit, but that calf kick is there all day. So keep in mind, guys, for the fans that don't know, I'm a southpaw majority of the time. So if I'm fighting a southpaw, southpaw versus southpaw, the calf kick is there. If I'm fighting an orthodox fighter, that hamstring is there all day. More more often than the calf kick is there for a southpaw. Both kicks suck. Both kicks suck. That's it. Yeah, do do not get kicked hard in the calf. Uh, it's not a good feeling. <laughs> but uh, especially for my boy, the rock star, trust me, I know. So Benjamin says, do you see the Korean zombie getting a title shot soon? Um, yeah, look, if he keeps doing what he's doing, you cannot deny this guy. Because like I already mentioned earlier when I was talking about some of you know the best fights to watch while stoned, which you know is really just some entertaining fights, Korean zombies at that top of every list. But the thing that he doesn't get a lot of credit for is that I feel like people only talk about how he's exciting, which is a great compliment, but... They need to give him credit for his technical ability, too, because I think people forget Korean Zombie was the first man in UFC history to win a fight via twister submission, right? He's got fights via first-round knockout, first-round submission, uh, the whole bit. You guys remember when he starched the former number one contender, Mark Hominick? Well, how about when he uh, starched, you know, uh, 2020, you know, top guy in um, Hinata Moicano? So... And even his fight with Yair Rodriguez, I know he lost, but look how damn good he looked in that fight. What about when he beat Dustin Poirier? So I do think that if Korean Zombie kept, uh, keeps getting these results, just knocked out Frankie Edgar's last fight, he will get a title shot. It's just the thing you got to understand is that the featherweight division in 2020 is the most stacked it's ever been. So yeah, he can get a title shot. He's just got to win these fights that are about to come to him because now it's not going to get any easier. No, no disrespect to the former champion and the future Hall of Famer, Frankie Edgar. However, in 2020, you got to fight guys like Zabit Magomed Sharipov. You got to fight guys like Calvin Cater. You even got to fight guys that are coming up like Sodiq Youssef. So if Korean Zombie is able to beat some of these guys and keep that win streak going, take the right fights, I could totally see him getting a title shot. It's just a contingent on him. Keep keep on winning these fights, Chan. You know what I'm saying? Uh, what do you think, Jamar? You think the Korean Zombie can get a title shot soon? Uh, first off, I just want to start off by saying I feel like such an MMA rookie when I say this. But my first time watching, and you know because you're the one that sent me the link, 
My first time watching Korean Zombie versus Leonard Garcia one in the WBC was about two, three days ago. And that was one of the best fights I've ever seen. With that being said, though, it was a slugfest, of course, right? But if you look at the fight, Leonard Garcia is very, very, he's just, uh, I don't want to say sloppy. Well, yeah, he was sloppy in that fight. I'll be honest. He was very sloppy and, but very explosive. So it explains the sloppiness. You know what I mean? Um, not to take any credit away from him. He was throwing some very good Dutch combos too, and stuff like that. However, if you look at the fight, Korean zombie is a lot more precise with the strikes. I'm uh, very surprised that he, well, I'm not super surprised actually that he didn't get the nod on the fight. But watching the fight, maybe I need to watch it again. I, I felt like Korean, Korean Zombie might have won that fight, to be honest. Um, that's beside the point. Um, Korean Zombie, if, when you mention Korean Zombie, this is a guy who, from the WEC days, keep in mind, if I heard correctly in the commentary, Leonard Garcia was Korean Zombie's very first fight in the WEC. That, that's correct. And that, he goes was, that was Korean US. Zombie's WEC debut. That's insane. That's insane to look that good, in my opinion, to look that good at the time. And then you come to the UFC and you look even better. I mean, this is a guy who, in my opinion, once again, very humbly do I say this, but I believe he was on his way to beating Jose Aldo at the time, which at that moment, I've never seen anybody even come close to touching Jose Aldo. So when I saw that, and unfortunately his shoulder popped out, but when I saw that, I was like, man, this guy, this guy is going to be the, the future. And then he had to go serve in his military or whatever the case was, came back, looks fantastic. Uh, you know, a lot of people said he wasn't going to look good because he'd been off for so long. But not to bring it back to Dominic Cruz, he was the one that said, always, ring rust is not real. Korean Zombie and Dominic Cruz both proved that. So with that being said, like you said, this is a guy who's beaten very good guys. Dustin Poirier, Leonard Garcia in a rematch. Uh, Frankie Edgar. I mean, the list goes on, bro. The list goes on. I'd really like to see a rematch with him and Jose Aldo again. But even with that being said, man, I mean, I think he can definitely challenge for the belt. And I'd love to see him fight Volkanovski. I think that'd be a great, great fight. Great fight. Um, I think the fight for him right now, and, and just to answer the question really quick too, yes, I do see him getting a title shot soon. I think the fight for him right now should be maybe either if it's on the lighter end, Magomed Sharapov, on the heavier end, Holloway. That's my humble opinion. I'm down with it, man. I'm down with it. So uh, LeBron Senna says he wants to know our power rankings in terms of ways to get high. So, like, do you like, you know, edibles? Do you like vapes, concentrates? Uh, he wants to know our, our order. So, for me, my number one is bongs. You know, I love that water filtration. Something about when you hit that bong, you, you get the nice taste, but it's also smooth with the water. If you got a nice little ice catcher in there or an ash catcher, you know what I mean? Soup it up a little bit. So, I've always been about the bongs, but... Y'all know I'm from ATL too, so we smoke blunts around these parts as well. So it's all about the bongs and the blunts for me. What about you, Jamar? So a lot of, so I'm gonna probably get a lot of hate for this one, man, because uh, I personally, my favorite way to smoke. Let me start off by saying this: I don't like smoking vapes and stuff like that. I feel like that, in my opinion, those vapes and stuff. I feel like that's weed crack, and I don't smoke no crack at all. So <laughs> that's a that's a no go for me. Um, 
but you know, I'm from I'm from Hollywood. I'm from Broward County, South Florida. Regardless, I like to smoke backwoods. That's one of my favorites, and uh, you can't ever go wrong with a, a a really well rolled joint. You know what I mean? Something about it, you taste it a lot better than you taste it in a lot of other things. So I'd have to say between backwoods in particular, not not cigarillos, backwoods um, or natural leaf roll wraps joints. And you can't go wrong. Of course, I have to, I have to agree with you, a bong. I mean, there's something about the bong that just hits a little different than most, most other ways of smoking. So you definitely have to, you have to mention the bong for sure. So those, I know it's that's top three, if that makes sense. My power ranking for that, I would say it would probably be the blunt and then bong and then joint. So, uh, you know, I can get down with some edibles. I got some great recipes. I made tons, but man, these last few times, shit like got me like too fucked up, which is crazy for like an experienced guy like me. So I've been chilling out on the edibles a little bit. They they hit too hard. I gotta like start using like minimal amounts so it don't it doesn't fuck me up too much. You know what I mean? But yeah, no, I'm down with some edibles too. It's just can't make them too strong. I get too fucked up on those. Uh, so Matt G says. Should athletic commissions have to pay back fighters who have been fined or given a DQ for weed in their system? Um, he says they're mostly all corrupt and probably never will, but do you think they should? Hey, I actually like that suggestion. Look, it's never going to happen ever, but yeah, I mean, I think it's disgusting that Nico Price doesn't have a knockout win over Alex Morano on his record because he smoked a little weed. I think it's disgusting for all the guys that went out there, won their fights legitimately, but they took it away because they smoked a little doobie, you know? I, I think it's a total joke, so yes, I agree. They should have to pay the fighters back, but... If we can meet with a compromise and, look, not have to take any money away from these corrupt people that aren't willing to give up their money, maybe we can give the fighters the wins back on their resume. How about that? Let them get the win back on their record that they deserve. Smoking a little weed shouldn't have to, shouldn't have anything to do with the result of a fight. So I, I'm down with it, Matt. What do you think, Jamar? I agree 100%. I, I think it's I've always, since I was younger, since I was like 10 years old, you know, I come from a family that smokes. So... I've always thought it was ridiculous when I saw fighters popped for, for weed because I was like, man, my whole family smokes. They don't have any special ability. You know what I'm saying? They can't, they can't uh, smoke a joint and be like, oh, now I'm ready to go run 30 miles. You know, that's not how it works. That's steroids. So weed is a natural plant. I've never understood that. If anything, if anything, Daniel, I think it does you worse than it does you better. So... I agree. I think, I think there should um, definitely be uh, some type of, I agree with what you just said, like maybe not giving them any money or whatever, just give them the win on their record, you know, because that's at the end of the day, like I told you before, to fighters, real fighters, that's important. You know what I mean? Maybe not even, maybe not even real fighters, because I'll be honest, there's guys that I, I know in Georgia and there's guys like, uh, Clay Guida and people like that, they don't care about their record. Let's be honest. Diego Sanchez, they don't care. They just want to fight, right? So let me, let, me, let me elaborate. Real competitors. Competitors care about their record, right? Like Cejudo. You could be a competitor and a fighter. Like Cejudo, he's obsessed with his record, right? The most disgusting thing that I've seen from any athletic commission was Titan. I don't remember the name of the card, but Titan FC... Florida, they were on their co-main event, co-main event ends, main event's about to start. 
Lex McMahon, the owner of uh, Titan, walks into the cage and he's like, hey, sorry, Florida uh, Athletic Commission just canceled uh, the main event between Juan Puerta and a guy that he had knocked out with a flying knee before, right? Yeah, so they, they canceled that fight. The little, the little uh, small-ass uh, Cuban Olympian, Yoel's friend. Yeah, that guy who Juan Puerta absolutely mopped the floor with. Shout out to um, my boy Juan Puerta. One of the greatest flyways there is, man. A lot of respect for that guy. Anyway, they canceled his fight. Imagine warming up for a fight. You're getting ready. Ten minutes out. Five minutes out. Two minutes out. Hey, your fight's canceled because you popped your lead. What? Nah, bro. I'd be extremely pissed. If it was maybe the day before, they'll be pissed. But it's a different situation, you know? For it to happen right before you're about to walk out. You're walking to the to the ramp or whatever the case may be you're getting ready and then they're like hey man you can't fight i i don't think that's right i don't think that's right at all man i think that's very dirty and all he popped for was some was some weed so i think a lot of these athletic commissions are corrupt in that sense especially i'll be i'll be the first to say it, especially florida that was ridiculous i don't think that should have ever happened but hey they, uh, it wasn't Titans decision, and I'm, I'm really happy with that. They kept him as the champion and all this stuff, so he still got all his... Uh, it's like the fight never even was signed or anything like that, which still sucks because you put in so much work and you don't even get the rewards. No, I mean, well said, man, and, you know, shout out to Juan Puerta, a longtime friend of both of ours. You know, he's from the Georgia scene, and love that guy. Uh, we grew up with that guy. He's awesome. Um and I'm I'm really glad Titan stuck by him. You know, he got to still be the Titan champ, and now he actually signed a really good deal with Combate America. So I'm really happy uh, that my boy uh, Juan Puerta is doing his thing. Hopefully, we get to see him in the UFC soon. I mean, he's got like an 18 and six record. I think he's more than ready. So hopefully, uh, do you, what do you know the deal? Do you know the deal with the Combate? Uh, I mean, I don't he... know the actual numbers. I mean, we could ask him any time, but it, it, he, I know he signed a multi-fight deal and he's being taken care okay. of, and it's the most he's ever made in his career. So, Gotcha, gotcha. That's cool. I'm glad to hear that, man. Yeah, Juan Puerta, if you're listening, man, you deserve it more than anyone else. So shout out to you, bro. Yeah, you do, Juan. You know, you've been grinding as long as anyone we know, man, and you're a good dude. So shout out to Juan Puerta. and. Rampage fan 420 says, uh, so he asked our favorite strain, which we already talked about, but then he also said, uh, do you smoke when breaking down film? So I have, but I feel like I do my best breaking down when I'm sober. Cause like when I'm high, I mean, it's great to watch it, but sometimes like you don't process things as well. And I like to chill out when I smoke. So I, I try not to watch my, my tape while, while high, I like to watch, you know, all my film for, you know, many hours throughout the day. And then at nighttime, after I feel like I've really accomplished something and I have a really good feel and read on the matchups, then we can, we can talk about, uh, firing up the bong, but yeah, um, I've tried both ways and I've noticed I do best, uh, breaking down film while sober. What about you, Jamal, when you're studying your opponents or, you know, uh, what do you think, man? So back in the day before, you know, you, before I was under management with best fight picks, you know, back when I was just really new to the fight game, 16, 15, new to the MMA and Muay Thai world and stuff like that. I used to look up my opponents and stuff. And if I would smoke before it, I would get super nervous off rip. As soon as I even, before I even really saw them do anything, I'd see them move around in the cage for like five seconds. And I'd be like, oh my God, this guy's so fast. Oh my God, what if, what if he does this? What if he does that? I'd start overthinking everything. 
Um, and I, I just didn't like that feeling. It would make me super nervous. Uh, there's actually been times I've done that. And there was this one time, the fight that I had in front of Dana White, uh, I was watching this guy fight my opponent at the time and I was smoking and I got super, super, super nervous. Once again, not to keep bringing him up, but I actually called Juan Porta. Shout out to him once again. And I was like, hey, man, I don't know what's going on. I'm not usually like this. I don't know if it's because I'm playing in front of Dana White or if it's because I'm smoking. Uh, but I am really nervous. He gave me a really great pep talk. And uh, that was actually the last time, the very last day that I ever smoked and watched film. Um, honestly, I don't really watch film too much nowadays unless I'm with my, ma- with my management or if I'm with my coaches, I don't watch film. I usually just leave it up to them. You know, if they, if there's something they want me to see, then they'll show it to me. If not, then let's ride and let's fight whenever the fight time comes. I like it. Nah, man, I don't like to, uh, no, no longer do I like to smoke and and break down film. Yeah. I feel where you're coming from. It can be nerve wracking for sure. And yeah, good, good response. So Daniel Edwards says any memorable or satisfying wins from your betting career, he says, hope you're safe. Can't wait for us to be back rolling with MMA events. Hey, thanks for the question, man. Really appreciate your support. So I feel like I would have had a better answer for you maybe a couple years ago. You know, um, yeah, you know, we like to be confident. We like to be funny. We like to be cocky, all these things. But really at the core of who I am, I try not to, uh, you know, hang on to past wins too much and this and that because all that matters is what you have ahead of you and you know I, I can have this amazing record which by the way i do have one of the best records in the history of mma betting but and, and real quick for all these fucking people that are like well this guy is up 300 units this guy is up two like guys yeah he's up that much with his fucking one dollar units but how many multi uh k payouts has he had exactly right okay well i've had multi so i'm the real fucking deal here but in order to keep being the real deal and do this full time like I do, you can't just rest on your laurels and be like, oh man, this fucking huge underdog bet I cashed. Well, all my underdog bets I cashed are my favorites and or the max bets and stuff like that, but I'm only focused on the event at hand. What happened in the past doesn't matter because look, yeah, I have this great record. Yeah, I'm about to be 6-0 and on years. Yeah, I'm the best guy in the industry, all this stuff. But if I start you know, buying into all that shit and then... Let's say I never win another event again. <laughs> Let's say I never win another bet again. Then every single thing I would have accomplished doesn't mean anything. So I try not to focus on you know past results. Um, I mean, I'll try to learn from them for sure. Always learn from your mistakes, where you went right, where you went wrong. But uh, I, I just uh, you know try not to hang on to it too much because all that matters is what's ahead of us. And uh, Jamar, you can relate this question to your fighting career, man. I mean, because look. In your debut, you had a 10-second head kick knockout. You've dropped guys with hammer fists. You've dominated guys via decision. But if you would have went into you know another fight expecting a 10-second knockout just because you had one before, you might have been really disappointed when that fight hits the 11-second mark. So tell me about uh, you know having past wins being memorable and satisfying, but how do you let that affect you going forward is the real question. So... I, I definitely agree with you on that one. You're like, you cannot look in the past. Um, you you got to, like you said, you got to look forward. For example, I don't know if you remember, but um, <clears throat> you signed me to your, to your at the time, new management uh, for my MMA debut against Andrew Geiger. And it was a great feeling to knock him out, but I don't know if you remember my next fight or actually not even, let's not even get there yet. 
my, uh, that next day I called you and I didn't mention anything about the knockout other than like, damn, that was crazy. You know what I mean? Right after that, it was like, yo, I think I'm going to fight Kyle Creighton next. What do you think? It was, it wasn't very much conversation on the guy bridge thing. More people were talking about me knocking him out than I was talking about knocking him out. And I think that's how it needs to stay for you to stay focused on, on your career and stuff. You know, you need to, you just need to focus on the future, focus on, it doesn't have to be the near future or the far future. Just focus on the future. You know what I mean? Focus on your next fight, focus on the fight that you have, whatever, whatever's lined up, you know, don't focus on what you already did because guess what? That's just, that's accomplishments. That's not goals. You should always have goals in life. So focus on your goals, not your accomplishments, not your accolades. That's my opinion. But I mean, yeah, man. I mean, eventually one day somebody's going to forget about the thing that you did there five, 10 years ago. They're going to want to see the thing that you did a fight ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. What are you doing now? Exactly. What do you mean? No, no. Like I'm not asking you. That's what I'm saying. That's what they want to know. Like fuck what you did last time. What are you doing now? You know? Exactly. So that's, that's just how I've always looked at it since a young age, man. A lot of people think that I'm, I'm very, uh, Marketing, I would say, if that makes sense. Marketable. Marketable, I should say. Marketable. I don't know why I said marketing. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not even going to edit that out, but I will pretend you never said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the 420, bro. Okay, anyway. we're living on that. Good one. Good one. Um, yeah, man. I, I've always been pretty marketable with the way I trash talk and, you know, just the way I look, I'll be honest. So, I don't look, uh, I feel like a lot of people say I don't look like I can fight, but then I go out there and I whip ass. So with that being said, there's always, there's always going to be people that are trying to like bring up what you did to this person for your next fight. But it's every fight's a different fight. Even if you fight the same person, it's a different fight. Put it this way. If I were to fight Andrew Geigrich again, I don't. And real I quick, real quick, real quick. That, that, just so y'all know, Andrew Geigrich is the guy he knocked out in ten seconds with a head kick. Right. If I were to not fight Andrew Geigrich again, I don't think I would. I think I would finish him in the first round, guaranteed. Whether it's submission, knockout, TKO, whatever the case may be, just him quitting. But um, I'll never. I don't think I would ever knock him out in ten seconds again. I can't ever get that again. You know what I mean? So. I don't know. That's that's why I'm saying don't focus on your past results. Don't don't let your past results give you like fake arrogance, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. A false like impression of someone you're not. Because look, again, like on the night of winning those bets, hey, celebrate that night. Go on Twitter, do the whole bit, enjoy it. You know, feel yourself. All these things the next day too. But after that, it's time to put it in the past and and look forward because all that matters is what's ahead of you. And again. You start to only, you know, rest on your past laurels, then all of a sudden you're fucking up and none of that past shit you accomplished even matters anymore. So uh, you got to only focus on the present and the future, in my opinion. So I agree with you on that, Jamar. Hey, great, great question, man. Really appreciate uh, you asking that. And to all our fans, thank you guys so much for uh, submitting your questions. We truly appreciate it. We had a blast doing this. So thank you very much to all the fans for listening. Uh, you can follow Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead at the Rockstar MMA. Uh, is it the Rockstar MMA on on uh, Instagram as well? It is the Rockstar MMA on Instagram and Twitter. 
Hell yeah, and uh, Jamar Whitehead on uh, Facebook. You can follow me at Best Fight Picks at uh, DFL on Drums on Instagram. But again, if you have a no profile pick and I don't know who the fuck you are, I'm probably not going to accept that follow. But uh, no, I know a lot of the fans uh, have, have been, you know, getting that follow accepted by me. Uh, just send me a message, tell me you're a fan of the show, and I'll let you in. Uh, but on Twitter, it's not an exclusive club. On Twitter, anyone can follow me. Best Fight Picks. Uh, make sure you all subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify. All the places where we are available. Uh, Going to drop another quarantine edition of Half the Battle later this week. Uh, working on getting the PFL middleweight champion. America's newest millionaire back in uh, December 2018. My boy, Lewis Taylor. Super cool guy. Working on getting him uh, to do a, a quarantine edition later this week. We're going to release that. And then, obviously, on Fight Week, you already know UFC 250. Uh edition of half the battle very excited for that so thank you guys again jamar thank you for your time anything you want to tell the fans before i let you go uh big things coming i said it when i uh you know i'm, I'm the first person once again to do two uh appearances in one episode so that's pretty crazy so basically everything i just said before but um you know like i said big things are coming 2020 as soon as this stuff clears up uh, Daniel, you know we have a fight lined up. We're going to take care of business on that one, and immediately right after that, we're going pro. And we have a very clear-cut, straight-shot way to major organizations. We have very good connections. We have a great resume. I mean, we're young. We're good-looking. What else do we need? So with that being said, big things are coming for Rockstar, or I'm sorry, the Rockstar, and for Best Fight Management, Best Fight Picks, Half the battle, everything, man. We're, uh, I think this is our time. This is our decade. 20, the 20s is our decade for sure. You know what I mean? So let's just keep it going and let's blow up, man. And uh, if you guys have any uh, questions for me or you guys want to say anything to me, you guys are always free to message me at the Rockstar MMA on Twitter or Instagram or on my Facebook, Jamar Whitehead. Um, I'll always message back. I uh, love the fans, so always like talking to you guys. So please stay in contact if you can stay active with me, keep up with me and uh, I'll catch you guys soon for sure. Yes, sir. Thank you, Jamar. And again, to all the fans, thank you guys so much for your support. Uh, really, truly appreciate it. Uh, we will speak very soon. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.